Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy, and fulfillment along the way. Lovely neighborhood. Welcome to our Soul Diaries episode. As you know, Nick and I have just come home from five days in Seoul for an incredibly special trip and for Nick's first time ever visiting South Korea. I won't talk too much in the intro as we cover pretty much everything we did in great detail each day and it's already such a long episode <laughs> once I put that all together. We haven't actually done a real-time diary episode before, but it was so much fun, especially doing it together. So maybe you'll hear more of that or maybe not. Totally let us know what you think. It's not that often that I can drag Nick onto the show, but he embraced it fully this time and I laughed so hard listening back to this one. We're absolutely chaotic and unhinged, but I loved it and I also feel like we've revealed far too much about the inner workings of our relationship. (laughs) But we cover the highlights, surprises and lessons from each day, from wearing traditional Korean hanbox through the streets to Nick's second ever facial treatment, from the demilitarized zone at the most armed border in in the world and Nick's journey with rubbish bins and fire hydrants, which will make more sense as you listen. You may know it was extra special for me being my country of birth and we reunited with my foster family during this trip but we will be covering that in a separate episode as there have been so many adoption-related questions. I think I did an adoption episode quite a while ago now and have a lot of new revelations after this trip. So if you've got any new ones yourself, there's still time to send them through and I will record a fresh set of insights about that in a coming episode. A very big thank you at the outset to our Jetstar family for getting us there and back safely. As always, they always have the cheapest fares with all different options and inclusions to tailor to your style of travel, which makes such a difference. Jetstar flies direct from Sydney to Seoul. As you guys saw, I was already in Sydney doing a few gigs, so that was perfect. And we'll be commencing direct flights out of Brisbane too from the 1st of February next year. So hopefully some of you are encouraged to book your trip in. I've had a few DMs about people who have been convinced to book in a trip, which is amazing news. And if you do, let me know. I can send you much more detail. I'll pop the link in the show notes to the Jetstar Seoul Fairs, so you can have a look, and I hope you enjoy listening along. Welcome to our first Korea diary. <laughs> we arrived last night. Nick has never been here before, and this is the end of the next day. So we've had one full day here. It was really chill day. We met up with one of our beautiful friends and had a very local focus day. So we haven't really fully started our itinerary yet. But first, I want to ask you, Nikki, what your expectations were last night. Like you've never been here before. This is a whole new country and that's pretty rare. We haven't done that in a long time. So what were you expecting? (laughs) Well, look, I've I've been to most parts of Asia, like all the major cities and countries in the region. Um, And I just assumed that it was going to be similar to a lot of those. The history of the country I find very interesting. So I was very interested to come here and, and how 
incredible the economic growth's been. The, the nerd nerd in me loves the economic growth here in the last like thirty years has been huge, and it's a big tech place. So and lots of cameras, so I like it here. Um, but yeah. That's so funny. Most people are like skincare, K-pop, BTS shopping, and you're like economic growth. No, but I mean, <laughs> if you think about like it was in like when I was a very small child, it was a third world country, and now it's look, you got LG, Samsung, Kia, Hyundai, all from this place, and then obviously skincare. It's massive in skincare and. Or a lot of the major skin companies manufacture here. It's incredible. It's, a, it's an incredible place. But and also the people are awesome, except you. Um, except me. <laughs> Love literally. If you ever wanted to understand how Nick's brain works, this is how economic growth is what I expected about Korea. But it's true. I mean, I was adopted from here in 1989, and it was basically a third world country, and it has just propelled onto the global scene in so many different industries. I mean, it's amazing. In terms of like what you actually saw on the street today, walking around, what did you expect it to look like? Or, you know, did you have like a vision in your head? Yeah, it's it's so far, it's pretty similar. It's super clean. It's it's not as busy as I thought it was going to be. I thought the streets were going to be Hong Kong-esque bustling and stuff like that. And people are a lot less rude, not rude, like culturally pushy, like in other parts of Asia here, it's very like no one bumps into you or anything like that. It's super clean, even though I haven't found a trash can in the last 24 hours. I've been looking, I'm still carrying my coffee from yesterday. <laughs> um, that was one of your first impressions this morning. So we started the day, we had a very late flight last night, so we kind of had a slower start to the morning. It was raining also in the first few hours of the day and then it cleared up and became beautiful. But we just, we're staying in Myeongdong, which is like where it's all happening. So we went for a little walk to Nike, ironically, that was like our first stop because <laughs> it was raining. We thought we'll go shopping. And your first comment was, A, everyone is so polite because there's no cars honking on the road despite hectic traffic. Everyone was just so lovely and courteous. And B, there are no trash cans anywhere. And the guy, I walked into the into Nike, I was drinking a coffee. First off, the guy watches me walk in with it, says hello to me. And then I'm walking in there shopping for a bit and I take a sip of my coffee and he goes over and taps me and goes, oh, sorry, but you're not allowed to drink your coffee in here. You're allowed to carry it, but you're not allowed to drink it. I'm like, yeah, no worries. That's fine. I'm, one I don't quite get the difference between carrying it and drinking it. But if that was anywhere else, they would have just stopped me when I walked in and said, no, you can't bring it in there. Like, they wouldn't trust me to just not drink the coffee in here. I'll just carry it. Like, yeah, it's good. It was, it was really nice. And um, it's just so clean. And everyone's just so polite. I love the trust system. I too was like, are you going to monitor if I take a sip or not? Like, why are you letting me keep holding it? How do you know I won't be tempted? But I, th I think that's like, yeah, indicative of how courteous and respectful everyone is here so far. So as you guys know, I've been a couple of times, but not since 2019. And that was a work trip. So I haven't done any really touristy stuff since 2002 when the World Cup was on and I was so young then. So we're kind of experiencing all of this again for the first time because I didn't go to many of these areas. So we have a lot of things on our list for the next, I think we're here for five or six days and we'll take you through the ideal itinerary to get 
a little bit of the old town of Seoul, the new areas, skincare, technology, food, drink. There's so much to do. But today was really, we caught up with our friend Jade, who we haven't seen in a long time, who lives here. She was born in Seoul, came to live for us in Australia for a little while, then came back to Seoul. And we kind of didn't put anything on the list today, which was really nice. We just had a proper local. We knew she was picking us up and we didn't know anything else. Mm. And that was the nicest day. So, you know she was? She was our soulmate. <laughs> I thought I would crack first on the puns. Well done. Yeah. Well, Thank you. So, yeah, we had a lovely walk around the area and then Jade picked us up at 12.30 and it was just, oh, she's just so lovely. Uh, it was so, so nice to see her. And she took us on a little locals tour starting with an incredible lunch. And unfortunately, I can't even tell you what we ate or what it was called because she just ordered for us. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie. She goes, oh, I've, I've ordered. There was only like four things in the menu. She just pointed at them and I looked at the pictures. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what we're in for here. And it was delicious. I had like four different types of kimchi. It was incredible. That, oh, it was very good. It's definitely one of those places. I think a lot of local experiences are like that when you walk in and you're just like, this is not going to go well. <laughs> and everything looks a bit questionable. but Everything was amazing. And the coolest thing about Korean food is that at every meal, they'll bring you like a hundred different little mini appetizer plates first, no matter what. Like they'll always bring out a million little plates. I don't know. That's what I just got here. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a, <laughs> that's a perfect segue into our little activity that we're going to do each day, which is to pick a highlight, a surprise, and something you learned about Korea or Korean culture or the language or people. So- your highlight, your surprise, and your lesson. My highlight was probably probably that lunch or maybe just we went and had a nice little tea and overlooked. Where, where was that? We were around Bukchon, which yeah. is the really ancient area. There's a lot of high-rise areas that are really modern and then Bukchon's kind of like the ancient village where all the shop fronts are still really old and beautiful and um, Jade took us to a, a really tucked away hidden tea house that's super famous and we had all the matcha. Yeah, so that was uh, that was a highlight. And um, what was the rest? What was the other two questions? Your surprise, something that like you didn't expect that you saw today. And it's hard because we didn't do as much as we probably will every other day, but something that surprised you and then something that you learned. Yeah, so I was definitely surprised about the um, cleanliness. The cleanliness is crazy, especially considering – the lack of rubbish bins. That's a real issue for you, isn't it? Well, it's good. I mean, obviously, they don't have as much rubbish to throw out, so that's a good thing. And just, well, so far, just how the people aren't pushing into me and stuff like that. Like, as in, it sounds so weird, but like, culturally, it's obviously the way people walk around streets and stuff is very different. And a lot of parts of Asia and um, the people are in a hurry, you know what I mean? Especially when there's a lot of people in a small city. It can feel like it's it's not rude, but it feels like it is because we're used to our culture. Um, so you're getting bumped around if you're walking slowly and stuff like that. But it's not like that at all here so far, and it's been lovely. It's been just nice, and everyone's polite. And and a lesson you learned today. Be prepared to carry a coffee cup for a long period of time. A lesson about Korea and Korean culture. Okay. Don't drink your coffee cup in Nike. <laughs> you learned one word today. I'm very proud of you. Kasim Mohammed, I forgot it already. <laughs> so close. Kas. Come. Oh. I need to edit in a tumbleweed. Yeah, what is it? Come. Kamsa Hamida. 
Kamsahameda. Kamsahameda. Oh, well done. <laughs> the intonation and everything. Well done. I'm really proud of you. That's a great lesson. And we've only been here for one day. <laughs> Tomorrow we have a big day. <laughs> okay, I'm going to cut us off now. That was day one. It was amazing. We'll have more for you in the next couple of days. And we're also going to be visiting the demilitarized zone as well, which will be absolutely fascinating. And then I'll be taking Nick back to the orphanage where I was born and they have organized for my foster parents to come and meet us. So that will be a really wonderful experience and we will be back shortly. Good morning. We are back after day two, but it's actually been a little bit. We did day one in the afternoon and then we headed out for a little night adventure to see Myeongdong where we're staying at night. And it is a vibe. It's going on, isn't it? It's so much cooler. I mean, it's cool during the day, but at night it just – it happened to be a Saturday night as well. And so among all of the neon, all of the skincare shops, there was like this massive night market going on in the middle, which was so amazing. Yeah, those potatoes are un- unreal too, those twisty ones. <laughs> Nick was so excited. He was like a little kid having the twisty potato. You guys know the Korean twisty potato street food things. You saw them and I haven't seen your eyes light up like that in a long time. I love them. They're so good. So my lesson for today, you guys know we're doing highlights, um, surprise and lesson, is that those twisty potato things, which some people call potato tornadoes in Korean, are called hoyori gamja. So that was my lesson. But we'll get to yours in a second. Firstly, what have we done? So we did Myeongdong at night and just had a little wander, which was, I I think it's the coolest suburb. If you're looking for somewhere to stay, it's such a great area. Uh, And there was so much going on and everything was open so late. But then day two, officially the next day, was massive. So we started with hiring Hanbox to go to Gyeongbokbung Palace. I hope I said that right. And I somehow (laughs) roped Nick into wearing a hardbog with me around the streets. How was it? It was actually reasonably comfortable, except I couldn't reach my pockets. But um, I was comfy. I was happy with it. (laughs) I was so impressed. I did not think, because you're not a big costume doing things like that really make you stand out in a crowd. But everyone else was doing it as well and it was so nice to see. Like I'd heard that it's quite a thing that you do. You hire the Hanbok and if you do, you get into the palace for free, which was also really sweet. And I thought we'd be kind of be the only really touristy people doing it. But everyone on the street was in these glorious traditional Hanboks and it was that, really beautiful. That is girl math. It's like a dollar to get in the, without a Hanbok on. And it costs you money to hire the handbook. So it's that's the worst girl math. It's ever. great girl math. It was basically we basically made money from getting in for free. Look, it was fine because probably seventy percent of the people in there were wearing handbox. So it's quite cool because you look around and it can you can really understand what the place would have looked like because everyone's almost in traditional garb. Like it's pretty cool. And I think in it in like this day and age where everyone like this tradition has less and less of a role. I actually loved so much that so many people who went bothered. Like it, you know, you do have to go to some effort to find a Hanbok place. You have to get in it. You've tried them on. You you know, in the middle of the street in this full blown gear. But it was. So beautiful to look around and see everyone in them. And it's without that like cultural appropriation aspect of like no one's going, it's not like, you know what I mean? It's mm. not, it's really difficult now to actually show off how beautiful the dresses and cultures are in different countries because people don't want to get in trouble for it. You know what I mean? And it was really cute to see that because, but everyone was having so much fun. And I think because they're such 
easy outfits to put on and wear and stuff like that. And it's so accessible. Like it, it's like 10 bucks or something like that to, to hire it for, for an hour or so. It was so amazing. I expected it to be much more expensive because they're beautiful items. So that was my highlight for the day. I was living, you guys know I'm adopted, so I don't, I, but I still have Hanbox from all the different times that we've come here. So I had one when I was a baby, then I had one when I was four, then when I was 12, and I have an adult one somewhere, but nowhere near as beautiful as these. But I feel like I entered my Korean era. Like, was I not living my best life twirling and having the best time? <laughs> and you saw so many other girls who were having the best time. Like, you took photos for how many different people? So many. So many. It was crazy. And, and little kids having selfies with me for some reason. Yeah. Oh, my God, that was another one of my highlights. I think you must look like a famous actor or something because all of these little kids kept coming over to Nick and being like, selfie, selfie, and then their parents would take photos of the kids getting the selfie with you. It was strange. I'm not quite sure what's going on. So that was definitely my highlight was just, yeah, being transported into a different era. The palace is uh, from back in the 1300s. It got burnt down in the 1500s, then rebuilt. It got um, completely demolished in, in one of the wars, I think in 90% of it in the 20th century and then again rebuilt. But some the main sort of big halls are still built, rebuilt from the original ruins and there are 7,700 rooms. The intricacy in the detail was incredible. And your highlight is something else that we managed to see, which I would highly recommend you do if you get the chance. It was the changing of the guard at the same palace. Um, and for any of those guys out there that played Mortal Kombat when they were younger, <laughs> the guys the guys literally looked like characters out of Mortal Kombat and they all had the wildest facial hair. It was funny. But it was pretty cool. It was really cool to see. Like the traditions were cool. Even like the music, they were playing these instruments as they were walking along and I'm like, that guy playing a shell? Remember? That horn, I'm like, the sky just blowing on a shell. And then the other guy was playing like a kazoo. I was like, what? what is going on here? But it was like a full marching band. Like we knew the changing of the guards happened twice a day and we rushed to kind of get there. But I thought it would be like literally a five, ten minute thing where like one guy comes out of his box and the other guy goes in. But there were like how many people, like a 50 people mm. procession with marching drums. They all had different instruments and they had like flags and they reenact. some dude with a shell. <laughs> the shell guy. And then they would say over the loudspeaker in like four different languages. So they did Korean, English, Chinese and Japanese. They'd explain why each person was waving the different flag to acknowledge different parts of changing. It actually went for ages. Uh, the, Eng <laughs> <laughs> the English translation would go, he's blowing the drum right now <laughs> just to let the other person, the commander, know what's going on. I'm like, whoa. It was so <laughs> random. Why but am I so turned on right now? <laughs> I don't think that's quite the reaction you were supposed to have. But if you do get a chance, it was really special. Like it went for quite a while. It was really true to, so they were saying all the costumes are exactly true to how it would have been done from literally the 1300s and even true to the facial hair, you're right. Yeah, it was. like, And I don't know how these guys get around normal life with that facial hair, but it's pretty wild. Literally Mortal Kombat characters. I think one of them had a scythe. Yeah, it had the full gnarly weapon, that one. That one, it's like, I'm going to find the character name and I'm going to like- Just pop it in the show notes for anyone who's curious. 
listening. Anyway, it was a, it was a really beautiful traditional. And also it, it happens against one of the biggest gates, but the backdrop behind the gates that you're watching them from is skyscrapers, which is also such a cool contrast. Mm. It's just such a beautiful palace. And the other side is mountains. So it's pretty cool. Like you can still, you've got that cool juxtaposition of old and new when you're looking one way, then you look the other way and you could like, Almost, especially with everyone dressed in handbox, you could almost just imagine what it was like then, because you can't see buildings facing the other way. You just see the um, like the mountain ranges behind. Well, not mountain ranges, but the hills behind it. It looks like it's quite magical. It is a magical place. And that comes back to your whole like <laughs> economics comment from day one. <laughs> that that is what is so cool about this city is that it's such a juxtaposition of like traditional old ancient buildings and a very different economy coming now to this extreme modernity in like Myeongdong. You would have no idea that we were surrounded by mountains and ancient palaces. It's so modern, which kind of leads me to my um, surprise for the day, which is that. Seoul became the capital when this main, uh, there's quite a few palaces, but this main one, Gyeongbokgung, where we were for the changing of the guards, when that got finished being built, Seoul became the capital and has remained since then because of its feng shui being around mountains and river. So it's surrounded by, they're not hills, they're 33 mountains and the river has like the best feng shui for a capital city. So that's... that's Isn't feng shui Chinese? Yeah, but it's still like the principles of its ideal location in nature based on like, yeah, the principles of how energy flows and yeah. Well, like, yeah, I was, <laughs> I don't know what the Korean version is, but that's why it was kind of chosen as a city. So that was my surprise. Interesting. Well, speaking of feng shui, my surprise is why the feng shui of the industrial design around here and the architecture doesn't include a rubbish bin because I'm still carrying my coffee cup from the first day. I found one, no, I actually found one garbage bin the entire time I was here. And it's the cleanest place in the world. And you just, there's just no, there's no garbage bins. This is a continuation of your surprise from day one, which is still the last, all day. You were like, I still haven't seen one. I still haven't seen one, but I've seen so many fire hydrants. Like, where are the bins? It's cut my coffee. Like, I usually have two or three coffees. I've only had one a day because I'd never get to put the coffee cup down. So it's, um, no, but it's it's stunning. It's amazing that you don't need to like if that if they had the little amount of coffee cups like that in Melbourne, where would be stepping over rubbish to just to to walk down the street. Like it's incredible. So speaking of coffee, that is where we wandered to after we got out of our handbucks. I had hired mine for the day, so I was ready to wear it all day. Nick. Not so much. So we ended up changing back out of them, but you can do by the hour hire or full day hire or multi-day hire. And one of the places where people also wear Hanbox is to Bukchon, which is the ancient area where a lot of the old Hanoks, which is like the very traditional, again, dating back to the 1300s, the Hanok houses are still, I think it's the largest population of these houses that have still been preserved. And a little while ago, there was a whole thing about knocking them down and then the, everyone protested. So it's this beautifully preserved village where a lot of the old Hanok houses are still residential. So like it's a fully tourist area now and there's all these signs saying, please be quiet, keep your voices down because we live here. But there are also all these little stalls and cafes. There's a Sulwasu in there. That's where we went to the Osulok Tea House the other day. So we went in search of a coffee and to go for a little wander in this beautiful area where, again, there's you walk sort of up a hill and there's all these beautiful traditional houses, but then you look down the hill and there's the city skyscraper 
skyline. It was so beautiful. Yeah, no, it was so nice. It was. Um, I, I, I like I like it when places retain that culture. Like it's so easy when you've got a country that has economically grown so fast, it's like thousands of percent increase on their GDP over the last long. I think it's like. You know, I read somewhere it was like 1,700% increase in GDP since I've been alive in the last 40 years. Whoa. I mean, I think Australia is like 800 in that time and we've had a big increase. But like, I mean, think about LG, Samsung, Hyundai, Kia. Like they're, they're, they're all from this country. And look at the growth of those brands in the last few years. So do you think about how this entire country has gotten to be like, it's so modern. Everything's so modern. It's to be able to retain those properties and make them still look the way they are and stuff like that. And then also allow people to wander residentially. Imagine someone in a really nice house in Melbourne and you people just wandering through them and taking photos through like that wouldn't happen. It wouldn't and it's lovely that they allow it to happen. But yeah, it's beautiful. And the um and it's just so safe here too. Yeah, that was your surprise, wasn't it? So my surprise, I had so many different surprises, but it was yeah, about the Seoul being the capital city and also like your main surprise was the the bins, but your other surprise was something Jade's partner told you about about safety here. Yeah, it was like you could leave your laptop just sitting on a table and walk off. And so he left his bag in a park on a bench, and he forgot about it. And he went back the next day, and it was still sitting there. Like <laughs> people just won't touch it. It's a, apparently just the crimes are so low. So I haven't done my research on the crime stats and stuff like that, but apparently it's crazy safe here. So it's it's pretty cool. There's no graffiti except for artistic graffiti. I saw one bit of graffiti yesterday in um, Itaewon, and that was the neatest, cleanest bit of graffiti on this plain wall. It was like a smiley face and thing. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's probably commissioned. And another funny one was some of the driving here is awful. But they have their warning lights on. So if you put your warning lights on, you can pretty much do anything. Like it's like it's like when someone gives you a wave and says sorry, and you're like in the car and you're so angry and you're like, oh, it's fine. And you said sorry. It's like that with their warning lights. People just stop and just put their warning lights on. Everyone just waits. And then, but if they didn't have their warning lights, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's this little rule they've got apparently, according to this guy I was talking to. And um, it's a funny place. Yeah. It is. It's so interesting how like how schmick some of the really modern, like in Bookchon, there's obviously all the old places, but the tea house that we went to, which is kind of nestled in among all the old buildings, was so modern, like this three-story industrial, awesome modern place. But then at the same time, they've retained my favourite part of Asian culture, which is all the like cutest little cartoon characters for everything. Like remember the hippos we saw yesterday? Right. I was like, I want that tattooed on me because it's the cutest hippo cartoon I have You're ever seen. The hippo was wearing a handbox. <laughs> it's so cute. Outside the police stations, there's these like cute little happy police and cute little cartoon characters. Oh my God, it's so sweet. But another thing that we tried to do, so we had a big day today of ticking off things. So we had this beautiful cultural, traditional morning and then we went in search of a couple of the things that were on all the tourist lists. So one of them was Onion Cafe, which is, again, like a really uh, beautiful ancient architecture but a really modern Melbourne-level coffee joint and cafe inside. The queue was like 200 people, so we didn't go inside. You don't love a queue, do you? No, that was a ridiculous queue. That was so long. Well, it was, it was peak time, though, on and on a Sunday, yeah. so I get it. Um, and then we went to that Michelin star dumpling place and there was a pretty solid queue. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I, I don't like queues at the best of time. And we stood in and moved so fast. So if you ever do to go to the Michelin star, if you want to go to that 
dumpling place, which is cheap as, and it was really, it was beautiful. Yeah, don't uh, don't worry, the queue moves so fast. And get the noodle soup. No, no, get what was it? The wonton soup and the dumplings. Yeah, don't worry about the cold ones. <laughs> so we had uh, I'd everything. I'd seen it on a few lists, but it was actually a couple of people who sent me DMs who were like, "You have to go to Kyoja." There's a few different branches, but the queue was like down the street, and it moved. Yeah, I mean, like we got seated within five minutes. There's only four things on the menu: two are hot, two are cold. Probably go with the yeah, as you said, the hot things. Um, the other two noodle soups are, were cold, which kind of surprised you. They, they they were nice, but the hot ones were way nicer. And is that the one with the kimchi that that was really hot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was hot. Yeah, there's a lot of kimchi. There's a lot of kimchi's, and they're different shapes and sizes. And I don't, <laughs> not, not a huge kimchi fan in Melbourne, but I. When I'm in a different pl- place, I'll try everything, and it's growing on me. It's growing on me, I tell you. We haven't had a bulgogi yet. I've had it for breakfast every day. You're a weirdo. <laughs> I just felt like it. I don't know. Anyway, and then so it was a big day, so we did that. We came home, had a little rest. We walked. It's really nice. We've been walking a lot, which is really lovely. I also learned it's the longest metro in the world. It's like 950 kilometres. We haven't touched it because we've been either in cars or walking. So we had a little rest and then we headed back out for nighttime again to check out the markets here, which are, again, a huge feature. There's Guangzhou. Guangzhou. Yeah. Yeah, now been practicing all day. There's also Nam Damon, there's Dong Damon, there's heaps of markets, but we chose Guangzhou on the recommendation of our dear local friend Jade. And it was a lot. It was awesome. So many smells, so much going on. Yeah, there was a lot going on. <laughs> but I, uh, I've been to a lot of these markets like that where, like, the, a lot of them, the, the, you'll be, like, they'll cook the food in front of you and you're just sitting there, which is pretty cool. I probably trust this street food more than most. I reckon, mm. like um, most, but like in Thailand, you just know it's there's you, you, you're rolling the dice. Yeah, I mean, like in a in a, a uh, in Thailand's and 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 different countries is great for and Asian countries is great for um the restaurant food, but the street food is pretty much for locals only. And this here, I reckon, you'd be probably. Pr- Pretty good. Um, I really want to try one of those pancakes. I wish we got one, but um, we didn't have time. But it was beautiful. It was. So, it was. It was just. It was, I don't know. It was just. It's not so in your face, like um, people yelling at you and all that type of stuff. Like some pl- some markets you go to, like food markets and stuff. It was just really, really interesting. Um, no one really like hustles you. Like, you know, when you're going past sometimes in some oh, places boys. and they'll touch you and be like, come and sit down, come and sit down. They were all just these, most of them were like beautiful older Korean ladies cooking what you assure is a family recipe for like the whole, you know, generations cooking it right in front of you and people sitting on these like little, very rudimentary like camping chairs. But Half locals, half tourists, I reckon, or maybe even more locals, all just being literally served from the pan all kinds of different street food and it was such an experience and then we went on to Itaewon which is the nightlife i would say it's probably a more international suburb really cool lots of like amazing boutiques if you're from melbourne it's very like chapel street versus a chatty or a melbourne cbd like boutique kind of amazing shop fronts very modern lots of international food for the first time we haven't really seen that many mm. places like that yeah yeah there was it was Candle shops and like, um, but like, a, well, like a, a French named 
clothing store that's in a sans serif font with lots of negative space and you walk in there and there's, there's, <laughs> se- there's seven pieces of clothing on the rack and they're all nine grand each, like <laughs> stuff like that. But no, it was, it was really cool and big open. But again, big open streets, clean. Not one, we were walking through them in the dark. Not one second I felt unsafe. It was, no, it was lovely. It's pretty much the, we've been told it's like the clubbing town where all of the clubs and cool bars are, which is not what we were kind of looking for. We just wanted to experience it. But I think because we went on Sunday night, it was a little bit quieter than it would have been on a Saturday. But even still, like there was no like alcohol, you know, that alcohol smell in bar suburbs. There just was like, it was so pristine. Yeah. Yeah. Have I mentioned the fire hydrants on here? I don't know. So the little fire hydrants here. They've got these little stands. They look like they've just won a prize. <laughs> they look like a little trophy. I've got to see to show you a photo. I found another one yesterday. They're so cute. They, they've they got these little stands and I was like, oh, well done, buddy. Like <laughs> Every day Nick walks past one of them, he's like, oh, good job, buddy. Good job. You're doing such a good job. They're so funny. They've got these little, so little chunky little fire extinguishers in the little stand with like gold writing on them. They look like they've got employee of the month written underneath or something like that. I don't get why the gold plaque doesn't really make Nick's gone to find a photo to upload to the show notes for your reference. <laughs> wait, wait till you see this one. They can't see, Bob. It's Thank audio. You. They're so cute. Anyway, while Nick goes and finds that, um, that was our gigantic day two. It was absolutely incredible. I'm falling in love with the city all over again. As I mentioned last time I was here, I didn't really get to do much of this touristy stuff. So doing it together kind of for the first time or for the first time since I was 12 has been really special. This morning we got up and um, we're about to go and <laughs> spend some time in Gangnam for... Bourbon Gangnam style. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Did I get it right? Yes, so good. We're going to go visit Gangnam, which is a really cool shopping district. It's got so much. It's really busy. It's got that massive library that probably a lot of you have seen, as I have, on Instagram and TikTok that just has like floor to ceiling, but like multi-level, like the ceiling is like goes up multiple levels without any, what am I saying? What was Do you know what I mean? <laughs> How would you describe it? The ceiling it? goes up multiple levels. Like as in there's not, not an explanation of anything. The li- <laughs> the library that has like floor to ceiling book bookshelves, yeah, but like there's no different floors. Like this, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No one knows. Okay, that. anyway, the really cool library. Look up really cool library in Seoul. You'll understand. It's the one well, where there's just sorry, like they're going to Google really cool library in Seoul. That's what I googled, and it brought up Coex Starmall. Anyway, so we're going to go explore that. We're going to go shopping. We've got. A Facials booked for tonight for the you know Korean skincare side of things. I can't believe you're getting a facial. I can 100% believe I'm getting a facial. <laughs> so excited. So we'll be back and um, I will figure out how to explain the library better. It's a really cool one in Seoul. Just look it up. No, Shut no, up. up. I'm cutting you no, off. No, look at really cool library in Seoul with ceilings that like extend ceilings into like ceilings. With, like, <laughs> Shut up. Okay, bye, guys. Nikki boy. Day three and four, <laughs> we've done again. We've squeezed so much into this trip. It's been great. I'm um, about to roll onto the plane, though, when we do get there. Oh, i tell you what, I've eaten a lot. I feel like all we've done is eat, get skincare, shop, eat, get skincare, shop. Having said that, we've walked a lot. So, I mean, especially in the 
DMZ. We walked a lot, didn't we? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so we haven't even covered the DMZ. So where were we up to last time? We were just about on day three to go to Gangnam and then we had our facials that night and then we had the DMZ tour the next morning and then dinner last night. So that's all of day three and all of day four. So let's start with Gangnam. What did we do there? Oh, we went to the library. Yeah, that one that you were trying to tell me about on Instagram, which I hadn't seen ever in my life, and now I get why it's everywhere. Um, <laughs> but it was pretty awesome, and the best bit about it was I hid from you and um, was just up the top watching you look for me and get angry. It was pretty funny. After I think that's fair. I deserved it after I made you do the Gangnam Style pose underneath the massive hand. So there's a whole statue dedicated to Psy and Gangnam Style outside the mall and I made Nick pose, which you loved. Oh, so awkward. <laughs> do the dance. I'm like, I'm not doing the dance. I'll stand there and hold my hands in that position um, and you've got four seconds of me smiling and then I'm going to... <laughs> resting bitch face after that. I mean, I had made you wear a handbook all day the day before. So, to be fair, you've done very well. But, yeah, we did Gangnam and walked around kind of the main shopping strip, which is we've been in really boutique areas. It's a lot more like big shop fronts and like bright colours, lots of neon. Drag Nikki Boy too. It's called uh, Coex Mall and that's like another big massive shopping centre that actually has an aquarium in it. I don't think we saw it, but it has a lot of stuff going on in there. But the main thing is Starfield Library, which if you guys are following on socials, will have already seen my post about it. If you like books or any kind of bookworm, you will have definitely seen the viral videos of this like floor to ceiling, but huge atrium of just books. Like it's so impractical. I don't even know how they get the books down, but literally like a hundred levels of books per shelf and it's one of those things that on Instagram you think it's never going to be as cool. Like it couldn't possibly be as cool in real life. But I walked in and I was like, <gasps> it looks the same. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool. Um, I think anything above head height is for looks. <laughs> but there were some cool books I'd never seen before in there because I don't read Korean. <laughs> no, no, it's in like so- – <laughs> There's some, some um, like, English books. Like, there's a book there by Colin Firth, and I'm like, when's he been writing books, like, and stuff like that? So, um, it's kind of, like, surrounded by good coffee shops and cake shops and um – yeah, it was cool. There's so many people there. It was packed, but we still managed to time. So one of the, the iconic photos that you get, I was being such an Instagrammer and annoying Nick so much, is you on the escalators going up alongside one of the massive bookshelves. And you have to time it around people not getting on to go up or going down at the same time so you can be in the photo by yourself. I think I made you wait for me to go up and down the escalator about how many times? I don't know, like 40? I don't know, but if you miss it, you've got to go all the way up the top of the escalator again, then wait for other people that are doing it, and then go all the way back down. They're big escalators that go up like two, three flights of flight. So I was just like, yeah. But <laughs> that was only after I filmed you doing it first, and then I waited for you to come back down to take my turn, and that's when you hid from me. So for like 20 minutes, I was like, where's Wally? But you filmed me for you. Well, I just thought you might like a cute picture. Oh, look at this. Just like, <laughs> who's doing it for you? I was doing it for you. I sent you the video afterwards. Anyway, highly recommend a visit, particularly if you're a bookworm. It was, yeah, one of those really cool things that I've never seen anywhere else in the world. Definitely not like a Korean cultural thing, but it was, yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, no, it was really cool to see, actually. Like, I was 
neither here nor there about it when you were telling me about it, but seeing it was pretty pretty cool. That's also because I explained it so badly. Anyway, and then well, ceilings above ceilings. ceilings above ceilings. <laughs> so definitely recommend a walk around Gangnam as well. It's such a cool suburb, and oh, there's just like all the different areas here are so diverse, and we love we've loved them all for different reasons. But yeah, I think that's like such a quintessential Korean area, and there's so much K-pop around the place. There's also a like K-pop idol alley there which we didn't go to see but there's like little statues of all the uh, k-pop stars which is another big feature around there but anyway um, because we had a bit of a later start we kind of had had a huge weekend uh, and did a little bit of work on this particular day we came back to the hotel and chilled out a bit before going to get our facial i dragged nicky boy along to get his second ever facial because you can't come to seoul and not get some kind of skincare treatment and you are i'm sorry Glowing. Glowing. <laughs> tell us about your second ever facial experience. So let me tell you this. I don't understand why <laughs> they made me take my underpants off <laughs> and put fake underpants on and lie down. It's a facial. Like I get like no, might need to take my shirt off because they massage your shoulders and arms and they don't want to get stuff on it. I get why you can't wear long pants and socks because you got that little foot bath at the start. I kind of wanted you to go into the detail of your skin and oh. the procedure, but first they take you into the room and you change into your little robes and you get the disposable little undies and it was so cute because I got disposable girl undies and Nick got disposable boxer shorts. That was so cute. Yeah, but I still don't know why I had to wear them. Couldn't I just left my underpants on? You could, yeah. Is that your surprise for day three? Yeah, I've got another one for that. Um, start off with little foot scrub bath thing, then um, a whole routine of- uh, I'm so excited to hear you try and describe what the steps are without knowing what they're called. Well, it was a cleanse, then a deep cleanse, then exfoliating, and then there was a toner, I think, wasn't it? No, toner was after the cleanser, wasn't it? Anyway, and then they put the rubber mask on me. That sounded like a gimp mask, but it wasn't. <laughs> the one that they paint, on, they so they put this like a thick moisture mask, then a net, and then this really thick mask on top that they put on as liquid like cream or gel and it like hardens into rubber that then you peel off all in one go. So, and then in between it all when they're waiting for all of the – uh, active ingredients to do their thing. They're giving me a massage. But, yeah, skin felt great afterwards. Um, I, it, was, it was about 9 p.m. at night. She goes, do you want to put sunscreen on? <laughs> I'm like, I'm panicked. I'm like, yeah, sure. And I'm sure being like, what the, what the fuck do you want sunscreen on? It's 9 o'clock at night. And you just go, what are you doing? And I'm like, and afterwards, I'm like, why did you say yes to sunscreen? Why did you ask me? It was 9 o'clock. I don't know, but your skin looked at, my, at both of our skin. Like, I don't think, I haven't had a facial in a while. We've been on planes, we've been like out and about, and you literally, your pores disappeared. Did you find it relaxing? Yeah, but I, my attention, like, I was just thinking of things I had to do. So, no, but it was, it was nice. It was, it was nice. The massage was really nice as well. And yeah, it was good. I, I'm so impressed. And so after that, we then felt pushed to. We're staying in Myeongdong, which is where all of the skincare outlets are. We felt pressed to make the most of the amazing deals. So we have so many masks in our suitcase, which is amazing. Um, but I better hot tail us along a little bit because we've been rambling. So day four was the DMZ, which 
was something I wasn't sure I was allowed to do because there's a bit of a confusion around my passport. So I have a passport. Of course, I have an Australian citizenship, but there's one document that we can't find. Anyway, it's very technical. But for a while, I didn't know if I was allowed to go there. So Nick was going to go by himself. In the end, we just booked it and thought, we'll figure it out. Surely my Australian passport would be enough, which it was. Um, and it was uh, was a half day. It was probably three quarters of a day. It was a big, it's an hour out of Seoul and there's a lot of waiting, a lot of like logistics between sites, but it was one of the most interesting things I think I've ever done. So if you guys aren't aware, the DMZ is the zone between South and North Korea, which was separated at the end of World War II. So on either side of the official border, there's a buffer zone of two kilometers on each side, so about four kilometers wide, and it's about 250 kilometers long where no weapons or military forces can be used. Beyond that zone, it is the most heavily militarized border in the world, and there are actually still millions of landmines within the border itself as well, but technically it is meant to have no military activity in that four kilometers. It's such a fascinating place to visit, and I've been wanting to go for years. It's very interesting. Uh, uh, You've got to do it in a tour. One, I think you have to, to go in there, but also you just for them to explain it to you. Um, And the tunnels is what's interesting. So after the war, uh, they found tunnels in, I think, uh, the 60s, 70s and 90s, um, and they go for kilometres underneath the DMZ. Now, we went into the third tunnel, and we're talking big tunnels. The fourth tunnel was three metres by three metres. It was like they could have brought artillery artillery and troops through it. They're all engineered. They're not like some little molehill. They're like blasted through rock, and I think the fourth tunnel was concrete reinforced along the way. Um, And they found this tunnel because someone told them about it. The defector told them about it. And so they put a whole bunch of PVC pipes in the ground, filled them with water. And then once they were blowing up the dynamite along the way, they'd see the water shoot up in the air, and that's when they knew where it was. Um, So it was pretty incredible. Um, So we went down into the third tunnel. Now, unfortunately, we couldn't get any footage or photos because it's uh, you're not allowed to take your phones or cameras in there. But we donned a little hard hat and went 350 metres down a ramp, which took us 73 metres underground, and we went through this very narrow, tiny tunnel for another 200 metres, and we're actually around 200 metres then, or 100 and something metres from the North Korean border underground, though. So it was pretty wild. What I found great was it wasn't – the whole area wasn't about war with North Korea. It wasn't about we hate North Korea. It wasn't about like anti Kim Jong Un or anything like that. It was about we want to be unified with our we all of Korea unified because essentially they just drew a line through the center of it on one day in 1948. And um, if you were out going for a hike or something like that, you were just stuck on the other side of the line, essentially. So um, it was it was definitely worth going to. It was not what I expected. It's not like we've been to some interesting areas in our travels. Like I think it was one of those um, one of those things where you, you have no idea what it's going to be like, but you sort of think I'd rather go and have said I've seen it and, and learned something. But we were quite blown away by how much we learned. And I think the crazy thing, like you said, Nick, was that 
I hadn't understood this either, that on one day they literally drew a line and if you were on either side of the border shopping or at the gym or whatever, no, I mean not at the gym probably back then, but whatever side you were like on that day, you never got to go back over. You cannot, North Koreans can't cross into South Korea and vice versa. You could not see your family ever again. And so I found it fascinating that for 5,000 years, Korea was one country, like ancient history, it's been one country and they've only been separate countries for like 75 years. But in that time, it's not only been shut off from the entire world. So then I, of course, spent the entire afternoon watching reunion videos on the one day per year that they allow certain families in a ballot to reunite, but that there's become over time. So they've gone from the exact same nationality, the same language, so the same people, but just a random arbitrary line to now 75 years later, there is a 40 times difference in the GDP of the two countries. Blows my mind. I learned so much. But what is also amazing about the observatory, about the DMZ is you can see the tunnels. They actually built it for tourists to be able to look at it. But there's also an observatory, where, which we found fascinating, where you can see the f- South Korean flag on a pole on one side and the North Korean flag on a slightly higher pole. They had a pole competition, literally metres apart from each other. Hmm? Poles apart from each other. Poles apart, literally poles apart from each other. And then there's all these binoculars on the South Korean side where you can see the nearest town and people on bikes walking around, doing their life. I mean, one of the towns is a propaganda town. It was built by North Korea literally just for display. But there are other parts of that area where, like, you saw, we saw people. Yeah, yeah, it was... Um- it was just strange, like, to, just to know that the juxtaposition between the two countries. I mean, South Korea's GDP is higher than Australia's, like, uh, and North Korea is extreme poverty. So, um, really, that guy was the guy on the plowing the field was 5K away, and it's just such a big change. And you talk about that whole um, North Korea, South Korea thing. I mean, the founder of Hyundai, he's an incredible story. I Wikipedia the hell out of this blow. Um, he was a North Korean. And just before the, sep- the separated, he pinched a cow off his dad, sold it, bought a train ticket to go, a bus ticket or, or ticket or whatever to go s- just down south and got a job and started working. Then it got separated, and all his family's north. He's always lived north, all that type of stuff. And anyway, so he had this incredible life. You should look him up on Wikipedia if you get a chance. Um, and he just could never go back home and he's the one that started this this program where you could actually go and visit North Korea for a bit, which lasted for like five or six years. Um, he also sent back 1,001 cows because of the cow he stole off his dad back to his village as a penance and he put, I think, like 10 in a, in a Hyundai truck and sent them on Hyundai trucks across the unification bridge that they built. And he gave them all the cars as well, uh, so they had some transport. And he donated lots of money back to North Korea for humanitarian purposes. But just thinking, like, I mean, and a friend of ours that we were here with, like her, some one of her, I think her grandmother, she was saying, was from North Korea, and she just had no family in in South, like just just none of her family, and she doesn't know anything about the family. Like, so it's quite interesting. It was also fascinating to see. That because North Koreans don't really have access to the internet, their media is very controlled by the state. 
it's so interesting to see, like we learned a lot about their laws as well and like how controlled. So, uh, you know, we went down a wormhole, of course, of looking at North Koreans who had escaped and there's a few who are quite well known, uh, that they didn't know there were countries outside of North Korea. They literally had no idea and they are not allowed, if the newspaper has a picture of one of the leaders on the front, they're not allowed to fold the paper across the photo or you, you can go to jail. You can't fold money because it's got the leader's face on it. And when you do finish reading a newspaper, you can't throw it out. You have to leave it flat somewhere so it's not folded and have someone who's authorised to dispose of it. And you can't take a photo, was it? You can't take a photo of a statue unless you get the entire leader in the statue, in the, in, sorry, in the photo. Which fascinated me so much, like to understand the that there's a country that's literally next to it. We could see it and it was just so ideologically different. Like it was what I think, uh, coming back to the whole highlights, surprises and lessons, all of my highlights, surprises and lessons were the DMZ from the last two days. All my cameras have prime lenses on them. I don't know how I'd not crop them. I'd have to run across the road. What were your highlights, surprises and learnings from the last two days? I found a bin which was a oh. good chance of not carrying the coffee cups. In no, the highlights was was, was definitely the, the the facial and the um, DMZ were like two things that I was actually looking forward to getting a facial over here because obviously one of my businesses is a beauty company and we have investors, a large company in, in Korea is an investor and Korean beauty is the epitome of beauty. In, uh, especially now. So that was great and um, the DMZ, I I find things like that so interesting, so it's great. Now, a big surprise for me, now this is along this uh, whole why they're no trash cans thing, is why do Koreans have coffee so late? Like, you go past a Starbucks or a boutique coffee shop or something like a Tucson place it is, and it's absolutely heaving at 10 o'clock. I'm like, stop drinking coffee at 10 o'clock. Like, that's why... That's why it's a vibe at night in Korea. No one can sleep because they're buzzing off their head on caffeine. But they don't open until eleven a.m., which is so weird. It's um, it, it, it's it's bizarre for me. Like I'm, I was like, what? Someone's why are you having a double espresso? It's eleven o'clock. Go to bed. Yeah, but also have a chamomile tea and a lie down. A lie down, a lie hyphen down. I can see that um, our, the cultural significance of Korea has gone over Nicky Boy's head and all his highlights are related to bins and coffee behaviours over here. Yeah, and the, and the, and the fire hydrants and the little, the little stands. <laughs> no, I definitely think the DMZ was something that we did um and ah a little bit about because it's out of Seoul. There are a lot of different tours and it's sort of hard to understand to choose what's the right thing and which parts of it, but we can include links in the show notes if anyone's interested because I highly, highly recommend it to understand the history of the two regions and the significance of the fact that, yeah, I just think we we really learnt a lot that we wouldn't have learnt from any other experience here. And there's two words that make – there's not – two words make me shudder more than anything in the world and that's bus tour, right? <laughs> <laughs> Like, honestly, tour groups alone sometimes, but bus tour was not up there with things I wanted to do in my late 30s. But it, it was very pain-free. It was great. The, 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 it was a really comfy bus. And the fact that you – even if you, you can do a private one, but it's like 700 bucks versus – like 70 bucks, and you still have to get on another bus anyway. And you so it's not really much point, I don't think. So I would definitely 
yeah, Sarah's going to give the show note stuff, but I, I, the people we went with were great, and yeah, I'd definitely recommend it. Yeah, we had we had an amazing guide as well who was so knowledgeable and and shared so much. So I'll, yeah, I'll pop a link to everything we did really in the show notes. But I highly recommend the DMZ. I can't even remember what we did after that. We were pretty cooked. We walked around. Oh, <laughs> we had we went to go get dinner, traditional Korean dinner, and we ended up eating at Din Tai Fung, which was Taiwanese dumplings. <laughs> what did we had last night's pizza and dumplings? <laughs> Our food during the day has been very. Korean, but at night somehow. But they had some street food at night as well, like um, my potato. And they called it a tornado potato. <laughs> potato nado. Stop it. That was so good, potato nado. Potato tornado. Okay, well, that was day three and four. Um, I'm also going to put together a highlight video of everything in a more concise order than this dear diary that has become quite chaotic. <laughs> but tomorrow I am taking Nick back to the orphanage where we were from and where our adoption took place and we're meeting, um, well, he's meeting my foster mother and foster father for the first time. I'm seeing my foster mother for the first time since 2002 and I haven't seen my foster father since uh, I was born, really. So that will be really, really special and probably an episode in itself. So we will be back. I know myself too well. That last day was definitely worth an episode in itself. And I've since uploaded both the full chronological itinerary to social media for you guys as a list, as well as all the photos from reuniting with my foster parents. It was such an incredibly special day. And I just, I can't still explain all the emotions that burst forth, interestingly, in a way that have never before, even though I've met them before and have had all my life to reflect on what it means. It seems there's quite a lot of separate questions about our adoption, as I mentioned, which come up every now and then. So I might do a fresh separate episode on that as our diaries have already ended up taking up nearly an hour. <laughs> the only thing I would add as a last note was that much like Melbourne, Seoul is somewhere that has a few must-dos on the hit list. But my favourite part was really just exploring the different areas and wandering aimlessly to soak it all in. So on that last day, we headed back to Itaewon, but during the daytime, we then kept walking onto Hanam, which we hadn't explored before, not to see anything in particular, but just to experience yet another completely different area. They were both so cool to walk around with modern cafes and boutiques and bakeries hidden behind normal-looking traditional street frontages. The only tartine bakery outside of LA is in Hanam, and a lot of K-pop stars live in that area apparently, so we loved spending our last afternoon just roaming those streets. As I said, a more list-based itineraries up on socials and I'll pop the link to that in the show notes and if you have any more questions I'm so passionate about you all visiting Seoul it's such an amazing city I hope you all enjoyed having Nikki Boy back on the show it was so much fun listening back I rarely hear us recorded in our completely natural habitat and this was such a funny insight into us traveling <laughs> it's actually our fourth wedding anniversary as I record this so we were due for a Davidson or a Yavidson episode anyway keep the DMs coming and I'll answer as best I can. And if you are considering a trip, Jetstar flies direct from Sydney to Seoul and will be commencing direct flights out of Brisbane too from the 1st of February 2024. Jetstar always has the cheapest fares and as you know, we travel with them regularly because you can tailor your inclusion so that you only pay for what you want or need for a particular trip and can save the rest to spend at your destination. <laughs> so grateful to our Jetstar family for getting us there and back safely as always. And in the meantime, I hope you'll see your yay.